I'm going to Carolina in my mind. How'd you guys get him? Everybody's got their price. Last year we had Roger Waters doing Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, I thought it could be funny if uh, you just go, fuck Facebook, in the face. All right. <laughs> hey, you do five minutes before I go up there. What? No. No, I, I can't follow fire and rain. Are you kidding me, man? I can't follow it either. That's why you're going up there. <laughs> he did the Facebook. I can't follow this, oh, man. I can't go on right now. Give me this shit. Get up there. The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. So, last week, I go to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Again? Again. And I get to the theater... Wait a, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a new story? It, yeah, the, 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 it, 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 it continues. The saga continues. By the way, I told your story up until the most recent one to Pat Healy uh, when I saw him last week. When we watched What him. did Pat Healy have to say about my endless quest? Well, he said he's the, the thing. To see he Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, the thing he was fixated on, which I agree with him, is like. How is it? How does a digital presentation re- remain out of focus? How how was it? At, I don't even understand. I've never seen this. I've seen a smudge on the lens. Says some, sometimes a little bit of it is out of focus or something. Can they just not move the the goddamn lens? You know, like but I think they're like focus. fixed and they're automatic and there is no. See, that's what I'm saying. So like it comes through somehow like I, the mag's not incorrectly. I don't know. And they can't no, do no. anything about it. What do you mean? No, no. I, I have no idea. What, why no, is my saying, idea? Like, there is no mag involved. It's just a file. It's running through a, basically a computer and it's sending out the image. So you're saying lens. it's it's not the lens. It is the lens. Okay, but, so why can't they go and then correct no, it? I, I'm not. I'm not here to argue with you that somebody should have been able to fix we are. it. I've just never. I've never in my history of seeing digital presentations seen an out of focus DCP. Oh, I have, and I saw. I saw two of them this year, and they were both three-hour movies. Bo is afraid. Was I, I did go see a movie today in a theater. By myself, was the only one in the theater, and then and I had two major complaints, and as I was leaving the theater, as the credits were rolling, which, of course, since it was a Marvel movie, they actually keep the lights off. All right, credits. all right, end of story. You deserve whatever you get. But I when see you go this see dude, Marvels? He's, he's le- yeah, the Marvels. He's why, 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 why? I, I like Captain Marvel, 
the first one. I like Sam. Oh, no, you Dale don't. Jackson. I thought let me let me uh, let me let me buck the trend. Everyone's saying this movie sucks, and the you know director's what? a woman. I, I used to say like, I used supportive. to say you watch too many movies. You do watch too many movies, and it's one too many movies. It's this one. Well, anyway, the screen was like flickering, like going dark. At least you make then, me feel like I haven't wasted my life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, that's what I'm here for. Good. So this guy's leaning on his little dustbin as I'm leaving the theater. I said, are you somebody I can talk to you about problems with projection and the sound in this here theater? He's no, like, no, you <laughs> he can't. Said yes. He said he's, yes. Li- he's a liar. There's nothing he's going to be able to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe, who do we have on the show today? Today we have a guest named Michael Tedder. Michael Tedder, yes, that Michael Tedder, the one that wrote the MySpace top eight book. What do you call it? It's called Top Eight: How MySpace Changed Music. Did you ever by see Michael that, Tedder? Did you see that Chris Rock movie, Top Five? No. Ooh, but Michael Tedder wrote a book called uh, Top Eight: How MySpace Changed Music. M- Michael has written about music, film, the entertainment industry. He's written for Spin. The Village Voice, Esquire, the AV Club, AV Club, AV Club. Why did I say AV Club? The AV I've Club. never said AV Club before. The AV Club. <laughs> the AV Club. <laughs> Stereo Gum. I think he really, really likes writing for Stereo Gum, guys. He ought to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I cracked myself up. Yeah, and you. Only you. He's got a lot of... Uh, uh, Accolades or whatever he you want to call it. He has a youthful appearance. How old is Michael? Accolades. Uh, That's not the word I'm looking for. We're, we're going to find out. No, it's not the word you're looking for at all. What's the word I'm looking for? He's got a lot of uh, credentials. Lots of credentials. Lots of uh, articles. You can read his articles. You can buy his book. Christmas is coming up. Uh, speaking of words. Gabe. Yes. I, I learned a thing or two about a thing or two. And I thought you might like to be on the receiving end. Well, being on the receiving end of my newfound knowledge, you're always, uh, are you ready for this? Yes. You have me at the seat of my pants here. The seat of my I... chair. <laughs> what? Okay. I, the I seat of your hair, saying. did you say? You had me, <laughs> by, you had me at the oh, seat of my pants. <laughs> I don't know I don't, what I'm trying to say. I don't I'm think I did. Edge of your seat I, is what you're trying to say. I don't think I had him by the seat of his pants. <laughs> pretty sure. So Gabe... And you know this, Ben. Gabe always has a, a, an obsession, shall we say it? Maybe a, a fascination, a fascinating obsession with uh, color versus color. Like the British version of color, C-O-L-O-U-R, hmm. versus the Americanized color, C-O-L-O-R. Yeah. What, what, are, what are some other words that really perplex you there, Gabe? Behavior? I don't think behavior is one of those words. Glamour? Is glamour there? Favorite? Yes. Or favor? Favorite, yeah. Behavior, the, the, the English spelling is B-E-H-A-V-I-O-U-R. I never noticed that. And what's the British? Oh, the English the is the British. Oh, the English is the British. Was really, I'm really confused about that one. I don't know that the American drops the U for behavior. B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R. Like savior and savior. Okay. Yes. Most of these words that you're talking about can be found on the Power Slave album. 
you know, the song, uh, I think it's the duelist fight for the honor, fight for the splendor. You mean the lyrics they can be. Yes. Yes. Honor and splendor. I think the best example is any color you like by pink Floyd. You could say that or or, I I did. I did. (laughs) So what are you trying to say? What are you getting to here? Well, I'm saying, uh, so this is how it happened. You got to look at how English was developed as a language in general. English is essentially cobbled together by borrowing words from different languages. So a lot of these words that we took are from the French. Uh, you know, for example, faux pas and chic. But other words are French-inspired. We changed them. You know, things like information and table and television and salad and menu and souvenir. They all have roots in French. Are you with me so far? I'm following you. Uh, like, words like déjà vu. Déjà Are you vu. with us? Now, déjà vu is one of those French <laughs> words that we don't have to change. That we, we we brought it over here. Complete. We didn't change it. Déjà vu. <laughs> well, can I time out? Do we even does déjà vu <sighs> count this. as English? Yeah, déjà vu. Yeah, we use it. No one goes around going, "I'm speaking French." Well, <laughs> Paul, no, but it, we but use is it, chic. But is it in an English dictionary? Yes. Oh, may I continue? Okay, go ahead. It's like having two of you on me yet. Okay, words, but a word like color was adapted from the French spelling couleur. All right, so it's C-O-U-L-E-U-R. Okay, that's the word. But the Brits tended to keep that U as a nod to the word's origin. Okay, so they keep the U as saying like, you know, let's let's tip of the hat to the French. But in America, they dropped the U's to reflect how the word was actually pronounced, in theory, making them easier to spell, read, and say. So that's why, Gabe. Phonetically easier to, to pronounce in... Because we're idiots. When it comes to language... We're dumb we're, Americans. We're, yeah, we're dumb Americans. And, we're, you know, and we get the English language in our hands. We, we screw it up like everything else. But one of these guys that would, would dumb down the English language for Americans was Noah Webster. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The Noah Webster from Webster's That's Dictionary. Emmanuel Lewis's dad. Yes, exactly. So in the 19th century, Webster set out to simplify English and create, make it distinctively American. And so they dropped the U's. That's why. And he just did this arbitrarily? Just said, I'm going to do this and it's going to be the way it is? Pretty much, yeah. Kind of something that you really hate. And I know you hate that when people just go, this is the way it is. But you've been going along with it your whole life. Well, it started before I was born. Like, yeah. I don't like the uh, initializations of words like uh, KFC, you know. <laughs> no, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Well, they don't want to be known as chicken anymore. Or, or is it, they when, don't want to be known as Kentucky. When Dunkin' Donuts becomes Duncan. Or Dunkin D-N-K-N or something. You mean Mickey D's. BK. That's what he's talking about. Yes, it, it, there's no BK, British Knights, or I want to know, Burger King or British you know Knights? That, you know that uh, Van Morrison record, TB Sheets? <laughs> no. It's about soiled sheets after a night of Taco Bell, TB you, Sheets. You know this um, movie called T.R. Baskin, which is really about Baskin and Robbins and their 31 flavors? Oh. Gabe, who do we have on the show today? I thought oh, we already introduced. <laughs> That's right, we already did that. Hey, I think there's maybe a couple tickets left for both nights of our podcast at G-Man. 
Don't sleep on those peeps. Tickets are on sale. I haven't heard anything from Colin, oh, but no. uh, G-Man, two nights, January 1st, January 2nd, 2024. Lifers Live, we're going to be there. It's going to happen, guys. Now, you're about to be on the road for most of this month, right? I am going to be on the road, yes. Starting so we- next week, we, we play uh, the Aragon with Black Keys, and then after that, I'm out with a, a variety of bands. I'll be, I'll be heading to the East Coast and then coming back, be playing with uh, Radkey in Ohio. Mm-hmm. We playing You're be heading. I'll be I'll be beheading, and we'll be with uh, Death Pose in Boston and New York. Just a bunch of bands. It's gonna be great. So we're gonna have. And then some after life- Christmas, we'll be out with the Toadies. So get those tickets. Yeah. But when are we gonna have time to prepare for this? Live event. Well, more to the All point. Right. The idea that you prepare for anything. <laughs> but do we have to find the special guests? Because you're going to be on the road and don't have time to find people. What? I won't have my phone. My phone, which. Oh, you've got a phone. enables me to find all of our special guests. Like tonight, Gabe, who's our, who's our guest today? Tonight. Freddie Fender. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. I, I, I predict that we're going to do a few, you know. Lifers I on predict, the road episodes. I, I predict by f- 5 a.m. the pill bottle top <laughs> will come undone. I'm just saying we're going to get a 3 a.m. This next month is going to go fast and New Year's Eve is going to be here. And it's going to be like, OK, next day we got to we got to figure out what we're going to do in the show. My question, Gabe, is where are you going to get your uh... double D's pizza? <laughs> no, no. My question is, where are you going to get your Pee Wee Herman outfit for uh, New Year's? I didn't know that that was a prerequisite. It, are, this is on you. You didn't want to do The Exorcist. You have to do <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You have to do Pee Wee Herman. You're going to come out dancing. Where does one get a Pee Wee Herman outfit? Exactly. It's coming up. It's coming up soon. You got to get it. That fits a five foot five stocky little guy. It's not going to be right. Uh, Pretty. People will be like, is he Pee Wee Herman or is he a member of the Mighty Mighty Boston's? Might have to call our buddy. Bela. I have a bunch of these red bow ties that we got for when we showed Pee Wee's Big Adventure after right after Paul Rubin died. So I can bring this for you. Just get the rest of the outfit. I've Gabe, have a... you seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? What do you think? <laughs> All right, I'm... you can wa- you can watch Lords of Flatbush. Or you can watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Now, I'll, I'll pick Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I got <laughs> no. no interest in the Marvels. I, I got my streak is good. I haven't heard Mariah Carey's song yet, and I haven't seen a Mar- uh, Marvels movie. You haven't you've heard never the heard Christmas a Mariah. Song? You've never heard a Mariah Carey song. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I haven't heard her song this season. Isn't that a thing? Uh, you can try and go as far as you can without hearing it. I, it's it's almost December first. What happens if you hear Wham? Is it the same kind of thing? I don't think it's the same thing. I think it's Mariah Carey is the thing. It's it's officially the season when you hear that song. It's like you can't get it out of your head. It's 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 like ELO. Gone. Oh, because of the song, you can't get it out of your head. Yes. I got you. I understand now. So hey, can we get Juliana on the show now and talk to her about like do our top ELO songs or something? I don't know. 
We can't hear that. Yeah, he still hasn't heard it. <laughs> we can't hear that. It doesn't work. Too loud or something. Back off. No. Whatever you're trying to do is not playing. <laughs> it's like a... What's that thing? A theremin? Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't force it at me. You're 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 foisting it at me. That doesn't even count. No, Scotty. <laughs> it's it's coming in and out, which means it's not there. It's 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 gone. Even though the listeners might be able to hear the song, Ben and myself on the other receiving end of this thing, we can't hear it. It's, it's we've it's, been blessed. With yes, Zoom. we've been lucky. With, Zoom has an automatic filter that takes out all Mariah Carey. No, the technology is not there for Scott to play his phone and for us to hear it. We can't hear it, so I'm still clean. Well, it's interesting. When he calls people, we can hear them. Like when Herb's talking on the phone, it's just for some reason. I think it's too loud. Turn it down. No, because Herb is really loud. He's like the loudest person you'll ever meet. Oh, maybe it's not loud enough. Turn it up. I know you heard that. No, we couldn't hear it. I heard a note or two that was close in proximity to Mariah Carey. It was so loud in my ears. I don't think I'll ever be able to hear that song again. <laughs> Are we going to do the rock and bowl again? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Talk about loud. That was loud. I don't know that if I can handle loud. that. Did you see those creepy AI drawings people had of all the local H songs? Drawings? Drawings. You can only use AI for the Beatles. Uh, it's all, that's, that's it. It's the only AI I will accept is Beatles. You know who? What? When I think of when I think of AI, I think of Allen Iverson. He was a basketball player mm-hmm. who should have he should have trademarked the AI when he had a chance. I don't know if he did or not. I think it was already a thing when Allen Iverson was around. Uh, Would they refer to him as AI? That was his nickname, AI. That was back in the aughts. <laughs> the aughts. <laughs> was it back in the aughts? You ought to know. Let's get this out in the open. I'm anti aughts. It's not the aughts. <laughs> it's the two thousands. Who's talking about aughts? Double aughts. It's like it's it's like a you know, like a, like a what? A shotgun. What? Double aught shotgun. Is that what the reference comes from? I don't know. I'm I'm an idiot. I don't know if it's double O's. They're aughts. O's means aughts. When in Germany? Let's place your bets, everybody. Is Michael Tedder gonna say aughts more than I say brill building in the last two episodes? Ooh. What's the over under on that? Well, what? even if he does, I'll tell you, it won't be as annoying. Aughts, the digit, zero, zero, the decade from 2000 to 2009. So people who say aughts are correct. No, no, no. Yes. They you just don't it. like it when people are correct. No. Let me ask you this. In 1999, in 1999, were people talking about next year will be the aughts? No. It's revisionist history. When it's the year probably 19- a variant of not, as in this argument that you're making is for not. <laughs> All right. So it's correct. So you got to stop. And if anybody says the aughts instead of the double zeros, you got to let it go. 2000s. I'm not going to let it go. 2000s. The 2000s? Because, look, you can say the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. What the do you 2000s. do? The 2000s. Double O's is nice. I've never heard the of The zeros. The zeros. When the I 2000s. Think double, when I think of the double O's, I think of the 99 double O demos, which is coming to 
re-release. Oh, is it supposed to be the week? 99 aughts demos? <laughs> no. 99-2000. Are, are, are you plugging yes, something right now? Yes, ring that bell. You the do a little plug. plug? <laughs> Ding! All right, well, the drinking yes. game. The drinking game is for aughts and for... Okay, so <laughs> we're going to play a drinking game before we bring out Michael. Michael Tedder, everybody. Uh, he is the author of Top 8. How MySpace Changed Music. But if you want to play a drinking game, every time he... Wait, wait. Every time he... What? What's the drinking game going to be? Aughts. Every he, time he says aughts. aughts. So every time he says I mean, aughts... That's, that's a game you're going to get drunk on real fucking fast. <laughs> or should we play every time he uh, makes a plug? So play a drinking game. Every time he plugs something or says aughts. Is, is that what you want to do, Gabe? I'm the sucker who has to put in all those dings. I'm the sucker who's got to go through and listen for all the dings. And what does Gabe do? Nothing. I provide the content. You won't even listen to the dings once they're on there. The whole world sings. (laughs) Hey, everybody. It's Michael Tedder. Hi, Michael. Hey, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I I was a little late getting to you because uh, I I, I couldn't put down that. When did you write that article about Boston? Belly was there, and Juliana Hatfield was there, and oh yeah. So uh, what Scott's referring to is hi everyone. My name is Michael Tedder. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's an intro before this, but uh, so I'm a freelancer, and in 2017, at the request of Scott Lapatine of Stereogum, the best music website, support independent media, by the way. Please subscribe yeah. to Stereogum. Uh, They're into long articles. I've, they I've, are. I've noticed. Yes, they are. That's not even my longest article by far. Um, no, really? Okay. We'll talk about that. And he want, he's a big fan of the Boston alternative indie rock scene of the early 90s. They were doing a benefit show, and it was Belly, who had just reunited, the lead singer of uh, Buffalo Tom, uh, Evan Dando, who would not do an interview with me, which broke my heart. And Don't, uh, don't let it break your heart. Yeah. Oh, I've never t- I've never talked to you, uh, Evan Dando. Like, God, what I love to and uh, Juliana Hatfield, who is it's a- because you haven't talked to him yet. That's why you'd love to talk to him. Oh, I, I, I've oh I've talked to some difficult people in my time, Scott. Don't worry okay. about me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've talked to Bradford Cox and I've talked to Stephen Merritt. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, Bradford- but Stephen Merritt, those guys, Stephen Merritt's difficult in an articulate way goof might be a nice way of saying it i don't want to say anything legally actionable in the podcast right but anyways i spent yeah i spent the weekend uh talking to these various guys and watching the show and getting the boston vibe and i'm really glad that years later you're still reading my article and again stereogum they support music journalism as we talk today there's a great piece on boy genius band of the year for five dollars a month you can support uh, Stereogum and you get to just plug in yeah. left and right. And I don't even work for them. I don't even work for them. I just, I'm not on staff. I'm not on staff, I will say. But plug I'm in right. Boy Genius, plug in Stereogum like five, six times before. Like we haven't even been on with him for like three minutes. I know. I'm, yes. I'm a professional. professional. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I don't know if there's an intro before this, but in case there isn't, let me plug Stereo Gum for a couple. Minutes. All right, listen, and, I have uh, read, I have read too much shit about Boy Genius to not have gone into this thing, like thinking, no way, this sucks. But then I saw them on Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago, was it already? And mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm feeling something. I felt something. Yeah, they're <laughs> so great. You, you guys didn't ruin it for me. So so you're not from Boston, are you? 
I am not. I am from Orlando, Florida. And really? Yes. Never would have guessed. Oh, yes, because I don't have an accent. No, it's because you got a pavement shirt on. Oh, yes. I saw them at the Firestone. Did uh-huh. you ever play the Firestone? Uh, I don't know. I- I'm not sure. <laughs> I know I missed you because I was out of town and I felt bad, but you played Wolf's Pub once. which was a great venue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's back when I lived in Orlando. Yeah. It's really good. Did you ever play? Did you play the social? Yeah. You played the social. I have to say. Played the social a lot of times. That was, might've been the first place we ever played in Orlando. Right. Gabe. Oh oh, no, I did see you. I did see you at the social. I think it was either PJ souls or it's probably on the PJ souls area. Right. And that's before I moved to New York. Right. So you've got, you've, you've got a book. This is your first book, right? Yes, sir. Okay, it's called Top 8, How MySpace Changed Music. Yes. Why MySpace? Um, well, I put forth the notion that the internet these days sucks mm-hmm. and social media sucks. Mm-hmm. But because I'm on the older side, there is a time period where it really felt like the internet was a fun, freeing thing, especially if you're a music fan and you maybe like left the center music. Because for by the end of the 1990s, early 2000s, there was a lot of consolidation in the music industry. I'm sure I need to explain the ramifications to you, Scott Lucas, of the 1996 Telecommunications Act and the corporate merger of Polygram <laughs> absorbing all these record labels. The short version of that was there was less and less choice for the consumer. Right. And then once Napster hit, once music blogs hit, once MySpace hit, it was like kind of like, oh, the Wild Wild West. In good ways and in bad ways. And I try to be honest about the bad ways too. But I kind of want to talk about like, what did it feel like? What did that bring about? And how did that era end? The short version being Rupert Murdoch and uh, corporate greed and stupidity. And, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the people who were there. And I'll talk about the bands who were impacted in it. And uh, yeah, and believe me, I turned in a thousand page draft of the book and had to cut out a lot. I had an entire section about blog rock uh, that is now being part of a book pitch, which Hopefully, people will be knowing about at some point in the future, knocking on wood. All right. What is Blog Rock? Uh, you were around in the aughts. You know what Blog Rock is. I do, but, you know, uh, Gabe, I think, was asleep during the entire aughts. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you explain uh-huh. it, Dan? Well, I still want to know what Top 8 refers to. Oh, You don't remember you... the Top 8 thing in, on MySpace? No. Yeah. I'm too oh, old. So, okay. <laughs> so, uh, if you were on MySpace, which teenagers and college kids and 20-somethings and the aughts were, your top eight, if you still have gone to MySpace, you had eight spots. And there's usually your best friend. It could also be a band that you were into. It could also be like a local music venue or a restaurant. And if you were Latila like- Latila Tequila. Yes, she was very popular. Did you know that she's now a white supremacist? <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Who isn't these days? <laughs> You wouldn't think an Asian woman would be, but I guess people oh, can be anything. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean, they got to have somebody standing behind Trump. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but yes. So, uh, yeah, that was your top eight. Interesting number. Top eight. To be top eight. And, <laughs> and they'd have your friends on it. And like, if I had a top eight now, Gabe would be in it. Ooh. And? And right. a few other people. <laughs> yeah, but, who, but Scott, who was in your top eight back in the day? Um, like literally, who was in local H's top, top eight MySpace page? I know you had one. I have no idea. Today, I tried to log onto the MySpace. Yo, that stuff's all been lost. It was not successful. I mean, not, there's still a Scott Lucas Married Men profile on there. Mm-hmm. And, 
And it looks like I put that together. And there's a local H thing that I don't think I put together. So I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. But yeah, so like I'm happy with how the book came out. And if you uh, want to read, anyone out there wants to read about what Aust music culture is like, Top 8, How MySpace Changed Music, available at michaeltedder.com. And yes, that's another pitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's where I found the Boston article, the Boston scene, not the Boston band, Gabe. Yes. Uh, you seem to like make a, a, a connection between MySpace and emo. Yes. Like the emo bands of the time, not necessarily yeah. right to the spring, but you know. My couple romance Thursday. Yes. And like, I will say the best emo bands were great bands, period. And any scene will have great bands and they'll have terrible bands because there's a lot of like trend jumpers. Uh, then maybe the emo bands weren't for you because you weren't a teenager or what have you, but they were created what they did. And there's a reason why this music has a cultural uh, endurance. But yeah. And believe me, like, the first draft of the book, I try to connect a lot of different things, but you know, the publisher was like, you're not doing more than 400 pages, knock it off a Robert Caro. So right. I thought it made the most sense too, <laughs> because like the thing that made social media, like MySpace, so like sticky to young people was the place to be messy over sharing, which is also what emo specializes in. And, right. my, uh, and I've always believed that like, the various artists that broke through MySpace would have gotten popular anyways. Katy Perry would have gotten popular anyways. Uh, maybe the Arctic Monkeys would have had a longer go of it, but they eventually would have broke through. Yeah. But MySpace and Emo were made for each other because there's a reason why that was a scene that's percolating throughout the 90s. And then this third generation of third wave of Emo comes around, right? The social media breaks big and they found each other and boom, like that's what the aughts was. Right. I mean... The- Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. The aughts was a brightly bright neon MySpace pages and uh, swoopy emo bangs. <laughs> but MySpace, it was a kinder, gentler social platform, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's no David Fincher movie about MySpace. No, no, not at all. And like Tom Anderson, the uh, Mark Zuckerberg of uh, MySpace, like he was by every, by all accounts, a nice guy, not oh. a weird egomaniac. Like his biggest sin was he didn't really know what Fox News and Brooklyn was. So he just kind of took the money thinking, oh, yeah, it'd be fine. This can run my website. And like, I think it's like when a company buys something you love, these days it's different. But usually for the first year, things are fine. But right. so over time, it gets hollowed out. So MySpace is still there. Uh, not really. Not it's like, really. You, you know how there's a lot of websites that like back in the day were really great and they got sold? and sold again and you go there like you know like gawker i think you can go to the gawker homepage, but there's nothing there's nothing on there like myspace got sold sold again the parent company got bots very old story and like if you go to myspace now it's just kind of like a content farm just like news about taylor swift but you, know, you do not have your profiles or anything of that nature no yeah it was taylor swift it was taylor swift news i was like i, I don't want that i don't want where's my fucking profile yeah find it. yeah yeah. Now, Blog Rock. Explain yes. to Gabe what Blog Rock is. If I were to hold okay. on, if I were to guess, what it'd be? Let's guess, Gabe. Yes. It's gonna be Harvey Danger. No. What? No. 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 Oh, uh, no. That's no. that's that's uh, music critic rock is what Harvey Danger okay. is. Okay. Close that's enough. Different. What? Um, no. That's not. No. That's not what Harvey Danger is. Harvey Danger was just a rock dude. Harvey, Harvey Danger rock. used to be a music critic, and then he said. Fuck this, I can do it. And then he did Harvey Danger. 
And then okay. every time we would play with him, he'd walk around backstage reading a book. And I wanted to strangle this guy. <laughs> Why? What's so wrong with reading a book, Scott? He, Why? He, he wasn't reading a book. I, you know and I know that have you ever been backstage and people are running around and you're about to play, you're not reading a book. Come on. Uh, okay. Side oh, note. Side note. I don't <laughs> it was even... Harriet the Spy. That was the problem with the book. <laughs> uh, hey, what are you saying about Harriet the Spy? Nothing. I love Harriet the Spy. Okay. Side note. Two things I'm correcting here. They were not a critic's favorite. A critic's no. favorite would be... Which was great. That was again, karma. This band pa- Pavement, of course. That, right. was, that was the karma part of it. Was that and this raw critic starts a band and raw critics hated the band. And by the way, crowds hated the band too because the, that guy got pelted with shit every time <laughs> I saw them. All right. Uh, now I'm going to... Okay. First, okay. I'm going to answer your question about blog rock, but I'll say, as far as critics forming bands... There's a long and proud lineage of that happening. Ira Kaplan, Yola Tango, Hyde, Christine Hyde, Patty yes. Smith. So show some respect. Okay. Okay. You're absolutely right. Lester so, Bangs. Yeah. <laughs> Jim uh, DeRogatis. Francois Truffaut. Hey, hey, hey. Show That's respect a- to Jim DeRogatis, the greatest That's- music journalist of all time. I'm so glad you think so. Yeah. Say what you will about the guy. He's the reason R. Kelly's in jail. One day there will be a biopic about him. It's true. It's true. Yes. It's true. Bet- and that guy, and that guy, he had been at it for a long, long, long time. And Mike said, so one day there will be a biopic about that man and his, and his struggle against our, his investigation. R. Kelly, I would bet any amount of money that happens in the next 10 years. Well, he'll be, he'll be in it. It'll yeah. still pretty much be about R. Kelly, but he'll sort of be around, you know, like bringing about the end of R. Kelly. That's what I think is right. going to happen. You know, uh, I, I'm not producing or directing this film. And I'm going to get to your blog rock question, by the way, in a second. Uh, do you <laughs> know the film, uh, you know, Good Night and Good Luck, how it's about the McCarthy yeah. hearings? Yeah. And like, I think George, George Clooney. Yeah. And McCarthy actually never actually shows up because the right. film treats him as like this evil that's too too great behold directly. They could also right. make this theoretical film that so far yeah. only exists in our head like that. That's but, to answer, yeah. Yeah. but to answer your question about blog rock, I said, you know what a music blog is, right? Gabe, Gabe, this is for you. He's talking Hello, to you. Gabe. Yeah, yeah, Gabe music you, blog. It's just a, it's just a web page where people talk up and you know. Yeah. So there are lots there are lots of uh, blogs back in the aughts. Who's back then? It's very cheap to host one, and if you had like an ad or two, you could kind of do it as like a part time job. And there are so many MP3s floating around as servers because of like you know file servers, like a file sharing servers, I should say, like Napster or Soulseek. There's all this music floating around, so the music blogs like. Flux blog, uh, Gorilla versus Bear, Brooklyn Vegan, Stereogum started off as a music blog before it became more of a traditional online publication. And a lot of bands broke through there because they were covered on music blogs first. And then like, you know, Spin or Rolling Stone would cover them. And Pitchfork was actually not a blog. And the editor-in-chief of Stereogum, Pitchfork said, I hate when people call Pitchfork a blog. We weren't. But anyways, so examples of bands that broke through blogs would include LCD Sound System, Grizzly Bear, MIA, Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, Pinus uh, Andronicus, No Age, Japan Droids, The Pain's Being Pure at Heart, Vivian Girls, but also like rap artists like The Cool Kids or MIA. It got to the point where like even established music magazines like Spin, they started taking cues from these blogs and like started hiring them to work at their magazines, yeah. right? Yeah, and for a, and for a while, like my first major job, 
major job. I'm using quote marks here, person listening to this. Uh, I, I worked at CMJ when I got out of grad school. And that's actually where I first interviewed Scott, by the way, Blister. Yeah. And then I also freelance a lot for the Village Voice had a wonderful blog called The Sound of the City. And shout out to my friend, Rob Harvilla, former Village Voice editor, who now has a wonderful book out called 60 Songs that Explain the 90s. I don't just plug me. I plug my friends. No, no, I know. I know. It's it's great. We're yeah. giving you top eight plugs and you've got, you've done right. three. You've got five more. Oh, uh, you can't stop the plugs. What got you into music journalism in the first place? You're living in, in Florida. Was it a particular writer or a band? Uh, you see, I lived in Orlando, Florida. I didn't like sports whatsoever because I wasn't very coordinated. Preach. I, I uh, was pretty shy. I went to middle school, a religious school that really freaked me out. Don't worry. I'm not going to go on a Jeremed against organized religion, whatever makes you happy in life. So anyways, I was a alienated kid who, uh, you know, I got into Nirvana. I got into Nine Inch Nails. I got my first band I ever had a huge thing for was The Cure. Mm -hmm. Discovered Spit Magazine, discovered 120 Minutes, College Radio, Eventually discovered bands like Pavement, Sonic Youth, then other stuff too. It wasn't just, you know, I loved rap music. I loved, eventually became like, got into the classic rock and, you know, went back and found like The Clash, Ramones, uh, Replacements, Who Screwed that sort of thing. So yes, like, and at the same time, you know, I was like good at math and like I was good at my other subject in school and everything. I got pretty good rates, but like I actually knew us, I actually enjoyed writing. I enjoyed right. when I got an essay. I enjoyed like book reports. I realized, okay, I actually kind of like to do this. And then uh, back in the day, my hometown newspaper, the Orlando Sentinel, had a section where high school kids could write for. And I tried out, I got the job, and I like, wrote music reviews. I wrote like articles and stuff. I went, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to drilling school. And I went to the University of Missouri, where again, I saw Local H at the Blue Note. I uh, don't remember the year, but... Um, and then say, like, okay, well, I want to be a magazine writer, which you have to understand in the late uh, 90s, that seemed like a perfectly reasonable thing to do with one's life. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. But you've been doing it for a long time. I mean, the consensus out there seems that it's impossible to make any money being a writer these days. Um, it's not so. Okay. First off, you have to become, if you are a writer and you want to uh, make a living, you have to get into this wonderful thing called copywriting which is like you do corporate gigs and I'll leave it at that because I don't want to alienate any of my clients. Uh, so I do that. And then sometimes I get gigs for magazines that websites that play really pay really well. Other times it's just for the love, but you know, I'm a hustler. Right. But again, so, you have to, it, it helps to have like copywriting day gigs. That That's very helpful. But uh, yeah, like as far as like writers, I like back in the aughts or back when I was like getting music journalism, uh, I, Still have it somewhere. My bookshelf is like in a different room, but the uh, 1995 Spin Alternative Music Guide featuring Ann Powers, Charles Aaron, Rob Sheffield. And it's funny because that book is great, but also you read it. It's definitely kind of like of its era. For some yeah. reason, like they gave this, they gave uh, some, they gave like Disintegration by The Cure, like a really bad review. There's some stuff on there. It's like they made their top 100 list. Uh, like if you look at their spin, if you go Google spin 1995, we'll turn music guide top albums of all time. There's a few random things you're wondering, why is this on there? Like young marble giants, good yeah. band, but they shouldn't be on there at the expense of like the Smith's queen is dead. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. and, 
And there's one other guy. I've always wanted to ask Rob Sheffield when I see him, like, why was he on there? <laughs> Freddie something. Well, the most famous spin gaff is uh, naming Bandwagon-esque album of the year over Nevermind, which I don't really have that much of a problem with. Uh, uh, there's actually worse things to spin it on than that. Oh, yeah. They uh, say that's they, the most famous one. Okay. That's the most famous critical mishap. Uh, they also outed Bob Mould, and they outed the members of Sleeper Kenny against their will. I didn't know that. When was this? Uh, in the 90s. Do you want to know actually who outed Bob Mould? The novelist Dennis Cooper. How did that happen? Uh, he just basically, like, because Dennis Cooper was also gay. But I guess he had a, he had a problem with Bob Mould being in the closet. Uh, it's not right. for me to speak about these sort of politics, but, like, sure. if Bob Mould wanted to be in the closet, that's his right. That's and right. he's kind of forced him out of it. Right. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, you know, everybody kind of knew it was an open secret, but yeah. but still. But in fairness, yeah. You know, but if you're a cultural institution that lasts years and decades, you will have some checker marks in your past. No one's clean. Ever work for Rolling Stones? Speaking of, uh, I've done some. I've done some freelancing for them, but I've never been a staff member. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I cannot speak to the John Young Winner thing. <laughs> I know. I know about it. I have friends who have told me weird stories. Uh, it's very well known that this is like well known. It's even in the book uh, that Jan Winner was really mad that even though he, that even though Jan left his wife, he was so mad that his wife was dating uh, Paul Simon that for a very long time, Paul Simon banned from the cover of Rolling Stone. I thought Paul Simon was with Edie Brickell. Yeah, well, not no. That was until the eighties. This oh, is the seventies. Okay. Yeah, Simon had more than one girlfriend. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know when Jan Wenner, you know, decided to, I don't know. But but that's like the most, that's, that's probably one of the most well-known stories of Jan Wenner and his beef. Is the Freddie you were thinking of maybe Freddie Johnston? Yeah. Like, I don't really think that guy has like a lot of cultural staying power. <laughs> Johnson, that's I it. Figured it out, Scott. Yeah. I think the main thing he's known for is having a song on the kicking and screaming soundtrack and if there's a lot of freddie johnson fans who want to come at me i'm really sorry just don't god blind spot for me i just don't think that guy like got passed along you know that dude right ben who me yeah i road managed for him for a while oh yeah he road really managed for freddie johnson okay like i'm not dissing the guy I just don't know why he's in that guy i'll it's show okay. Scott. we can yeah. test people here it's fine well michael i have to say i find your articles incredibly well researched i was reading this oh. Phoebe Bridgers thing you wrote, and I thought I was a big Phoebe Bridgers fan, but I learned so much about her from your article that I had no idea. Oh, her thank you. Her mom's a comedian. I didn't know that. It was all sorts yeah. of cool stuff. Good, good stuff. And thank you. I think the thing a lot of people don't know about her is this is the Ringer one, right? Yeah. Uh, the lawyer who still like helps right. out with her career. We talk uh, about him all got- the time. John P. Strom from the Blake Babies and oh, uh, Limitheads, and could not be a nicer guy. From Boston. Yeah. God damn, we cannot get away from Boston on this show. I'm yeah. amazed yeah. that you don't live in Boston now, Michael. Seems like that's oh. a joint for you. I would have guessed he would have been b- from Boston. Is that because I seem like a hoity-toity Ivy Leaguer? Because I did not go to Ivy League school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what everybody in Boston seems like to me, is hoity-toity Ivy Leaguers. Oh, because again, I don't have the accent. <laughs> no, but you seem very uh, East Coast, you know, New York, Hoboken to me. Oh, yes, I do live in Hoboken. Yes, it's true. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
What went into pitching a story to the Village Voice? I mean, you know, they're just such an institution. Well, yeah, just by that point, like I found it, the way you pitch a story, you find the editor and you pitch them and a story, you pitch them a story again, you pitch them again, and maybe find they're like, just do fine, I'll just quit bothering me. That's not really how it goes. But there's a joke that we're like, oh, this is good, but I don't really know. Or we have someone on this or, you know, I don't know if this would work, but eventually like, okay, we'll do that. And I think I know the first print story is such a big deal for me. I'm always very proud of the fact that I had, I got stories in the print edition of the village voice and spin right before those cultural institutions ended. So at least I got there. You can't, you, you, you gotta give me that. Yeah, I do. Yes. And my first Village Voice story was a profile of Carrie Brownstein, right when she had a one one album band called Wild Flag with Mary right. Timoney. And this is right when like Sleer King was on hiatus, or they broke up, and also as uh, Portlandia was coming out. Right. So it was right when Carrie Brownstein was still mainly known for music. Whereas now she's known for other things, but Hey, I'm glad people find, I'm glad people have Carrie Brownstein in their life. Cause she is very, very smart and funny. Yeah. I'm a big helium fan. So yeah. That, yeah. that band was cool. So, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story that you might enjoy. Okay. Cause I think I feel like once I give you this prompt, uh, cause this, you might know this gentleman has shit to talk. Cause he's apparently not, he's not well liked. That's what I've heard amongst nineties musicians. Okay. So stare, stare gum, which again, the best music website, which you which you should definitely support, uh, they have a great section. But Scott, maybe one of these days I'll talk to you for. Uh, we've got a file on you, so you go there and they talk to like literally legends, like Alice Cooper's done it. Alice Cooper saying didn't go very well, actually, uh, bad example. But like <laughs> Elvis Costello has done it. Uh, like everyone, not everyone's done it, but a lot of great people have done it. And I've done a few myself. Always had a good time. I like it. my first one was I did Suzanne Vega. Anyways, what you do is you talk to artists, you go through their career, both highlights from their career, yeah, and weird stuff they didn't think you're going to ask. So a couple weeks ago, I did Sleater Kenny. You can tell I'm a huge fan, right? They're wonderful. Their new album is out in January. Little Rope, you're going to love it. Um, okay. And we had some fun times. We were talking about the fact that people forget about this. In the late 90s, back when selling out was still kind of a thing, uh, Carrie Brownstein and Mary Timoney were in a Priceline commercial playing in a band backing up William Shatner. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, it's just a day job. It was, it was fun, but it was definitely kind of weird. Anyway, right. I was running. I only had an hour, so I was running out of time. So I had to cut a question. But it's a little, it's a little known fact about the late 90s rock scene. Uh, Sleater Kidney... They were a huge critics band. Robert Criscow loved them, et cetera. Robert Criscow famously loves your band as well. But yes. you know who was a hater uh, doing research? Stephen Jenkins of Third Eye Blind <laughs> said, Third Bring Eye Blind. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> he said, you know, we're not an industry-created critics band. We're a true DIY artist, unlike Sleater <sighs> Kenny. Now, the dude in 1998 had the balls to this sleater kenny now yeah. i don't know if that just didn't get on the band's radar again i wanted to ask i ran out of time but i can only imagine if stephen jenkins and carrie brownstein actually had a feud it could have been one of the greatest music music feuds of all time because stephen jenkins and i'll admit the guy's written some good songs i'm not being right. a complete hater here uh he's written one one good song 
famously has, let's just say, a very big ego. And Carrie Brownstein is famously smart and funny as shit. Right. So it's a real damn shame this cut cue didn't happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, everyone knows he's a dick. Yeah. Clear. Like we Remember when he came into our trailer once and tried to buddy up with us and we all just turned away from him and ignored him, Gabe? He walked, oh, in he, there like, he walked into the room and act like, here I am. And nobody knew, really, nobody cared. Nobody and cared. they just kind of looked stupid and walked around and walked away. <laughs> did he take it? Did he take it, the opportunity to mention he dated Charlie Theron? Because he's famous for doing that. Very much so. It's like, uh-huh. uh huh. What are you doing in here? This is our trailer, right? Get the fuck out of here. He said, well, you know, I'm not going to be here much longer. You know, I've got to. I'm ducking out early. I'm going to go see my girlfriend. And, and he's just waiting for us to go, oh, yeah, who's your girlfriend? And we're just like, okay, so why don't you get on the plane? Get out of here, buddy. What are you waiting for? What are you doing? Amazing. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. It is amazing that she ever dated that turd. Uh, she was young. She wasn't stupid. Well, we've, we've all made mistakes in our life. <laughs> sure. But not all of us have dated Stephen Jenkins. Yes. <laughs> have, have you, Gabe? Have you dated Stephen Jenkins? No, I barely know who he is. He's Come the on. third eye blind singer. You know. Sure, I know. Who I he dig is. that one song where it goes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, no, like they have like that song. Jumpers is good. Uh, no, jumper is good. Graduate is good. But like, I'm not gonna go to the mat for the guy. The one that goes. I'll never let you go. That's a good one too. That's a good. That's one. A good one. Yeah. Okay, credit words too. You don't have. You can be a douchebag and still write a good song or two. Sometimes it helps, doesn't it? You know, yes, it can. You brought up that thing about uh, selling out. I mean, do you buy that idea that that '90s generation were idiots for not wanting to sell out? You know, and not wanting well, to sell the songs to lame commercials. Well, it's tough. Uh, the idea of selling out, there is a certain level of classism there that's baked in. Uh, Mike Dirt from Green Day famously said. I came from like a dirt poor family. I can't afford not to sell out. I'm not going to get lectured by a bunch of college kids whose daddy's paid for them to go to college. You don't know my life, which Mike Dirt, obviously correct. True. At the same time, like people need to make a living. Art is a job. And sometimes you just have to do things. At the same time, there's a real tension between like you're watering your music down to the point where it's just terrible and you're making it a commodity other hand it's not a sin to write a catchy song that sounds good on the radio no like that's not the worst thing human beings ever done the beatles did that the clash did that but it's kind of like everyone has to negotiate these on their own terms and it's funny because like i have younger friends i have nieces i have younger writer friends and like they're like oh you you generation x people and you're selling out Right, But at the same time, you can go too far. You can make yourself look like an idiot. And you can just like water your music down to where it has no character. Whereas there's some other song that anyone could have made on the radio. And there's something that's uniquely you about it. It's not a simple, it's not a question with a simple answer. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think you're right. It, it's fine to like write catchy songs. I like catchy songs. I, I, I love yeah. pop music. But when it gets to the idea of selling those songs to a shitty commercial so that some, you know, the people that you're supposed to be against can like make more money off you, you know, you, right. people are like, well, I made a lot of money. It's like, you didn't make nearly as much money as those assholes made. And I mean, this goes back to your MySpace thing and, and the kids and emo and everything. It's like, 
I think you owe people, your audience, a certain, you owe them something, a certain yeah. amount of respect. And, and part of that is like making sure that this thing that they've said that they love and they come to see and they listen to doesn't become this piece of crap, like a literal yeah. piece of crap in their hands because you sold it to some stupid commercial. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's stupid. I don't think that's some stupid Gen X bullshit. I just want to argue both sides here though. Uh, <laughs> so a band I've interviewed a few times, I'm still friends with a guy, uh, Kit Berman of the Pains of Being Pure at Heart. By yeah. the time the Pains of Being Pure at Heart were a band, album sales weren't really a thing. Right. Bands didn't make money by touring. And they did well for themselves as a touring band, but they were never like huge. They weren't even like the national level big. Great band, love them to death. But so Kip, they had one of their songs in the ad for M&Ms. He's like, look, it paid my, it paid, gave me a down payment for a house. My daughter now lives in that house. Right. It's just chocolate. I mean, I don't wow. know. It's not like, it's, it's not like I get, you know, sold my money to like, I don't know, Hummer or like Exxon Mobil or something. Well, so, I mean, kind of it. I mean, I don't know if you watch, uh, John Oliver a couple weeks ago, but okay. Trump, you know, it's kind of fucked up. Well, every aspect of capitalism is fucked up, Scott, especially chocolate. Yeah. No, no, I, I did see the episode. I know what you're talking about, but it's the diamonds of putting stuff in your mouth. Yeah. No ethical consumption under capitalism. <laughs> I'm just saying that that chocolate no. argument doesn't really wash anymore. So, uh, so a question for you, a podcaster who I really love, and I hope one day you're on there cause you'll have a good time with her. She probably loves your band. Yossi Salik of a uh, 24 question party people on bands playing. Uh -huh. She always asks how much is the most money you've ever turned down. So how much is the most money you've ever turned down. Have you ever like turned on an ad? I turned down a lot of money from Coke. Okay. You know, so. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Good for you and your, that's good, good, good for you and your ethics. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea of everybody laughing at ethics is, I, you know, I, I kind of think that that's, that's a way of making themselves feel better. You know, like, it, it, ethics are, I don't know. I mean, I still believe in Neil Young, you know, I still believe, I still believe the shit that like Nirvana was telling me and no, I do too. was telling me, you know, no, I, I do too. Like I just see both sides. Like, I can see if you are in dire financial straits and you don't do the most and you, and you try to have some level of taste, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. No, 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 no. You're right. And, and, and the fact that like, it's very, very hard for people to make money off of album sales. It's fine. I'm just and, saying that and you that, really cannot... that was the thinking in the nineties. And I don't think it was silly thinking. I think it was an actual real thing that like, Hey, you know, these people care about this music. I'm not going to sell this music out. Right. That's but where I was coming from. It. But surely we, you have to acknowledge, we cannot hold ourselves to like the standards of Ian McKay. Simply selling to a major label and having a song on MTV does not make one a sellout. So uh, tell me more about your song, Bound for the Floor. Sure. Which was released on Island? Sure. Well, I mean, you know, the Island didn't really consider themselves a major label. And, you know, yeah. at the time, that argument made sense. Yeah. Like, okay, I can go with that. Yeah. But, you know, like, as a, as a Led Zeppelin fan, I never had a problem with being on a major label. Yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah, like, But I Led Zeppelin didn't sell... Well, they do now, but they didn't sell their music to commercials. They didn't even sell their stuff to movies back then. Right. I, I get it. I get it. I just think yeah. that the, the idea that it was stupid personally offends me. And I, I see that all the time when I read stuff like, oh, the over-serious 90s. It's like, first of all, that music was fun, dude. It was fun to jump around and, and scream was. your head off. It was a lot of fun. Second yeah. of all, 
Fuck you. <laughs> but no, like, I think I addressed it in the book and like, I tried to like be even handed as you can tell by this conversation. And, uh, did you like the band back in the day? Texas is the reason. Yeah. 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 Norm Brandon, I think is one of my favorite people I talked to for the book. And he's talking about like, he's the one who says like, yeah, he's like also a little bit, old. he's older than you, I think. And you get yeah, people like, yeah, you, you boomers and you're selling out. And then we talk in the book, there is a band. I don't know if you've gotten there or not. They're called cartel. And like when cartel started, they were, they were a good pop rock band. They weren't like mind blown, but they wrote catchy songs. Right. And they had some hit, they had like one radio hit. And they had another song that was doing pretty well on radio and their label, uh, Sony Epic basically forced them to be on a show called band in the bubble. And mm. it was a reality TV show where supposedly they're recording an album in a, in a studio for rally TV. The whole thing was pretty gimmicky and fake. Yeah. The TV show didn't do very well. <laughs> and the, uh, album flopped. And if they had not done that and just had to like, had the label push a second single instead of doing this, they probably have a better career. So it's killed their career. But that's what uh, Norman Brandon said. It's like, it's interesting. Every era, there's always a debate about selling out and some people do and some people don't. And it's always changing, but every era, there's always a band that takes the idea of selling out way too far. Yeah. 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 I mean, the chances of, of, of it working are 50, 50, but the chances yeah. that you're going to have to live with the rest of your life are a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So it, it's like, why do something that you don't believe in or love? It's just, you're just going to get fucked. Yeah. Gabe. Do we dare ask the question? I don't think there's any point in it. Oh, there's come no on. I think we uh, skip it this week. I think we skip it. No, 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 We've already no. talked we, about this band. If I ask What's the you. Question? GTFO, <laughs> motherfucker. We have a running question? question that we ask all the guests. And it's a running joke between Ben and me to see who can p predict who they're going to pick. If you had to pick between two bands, you could only choose okay. one on a deserted island. Iron Maiden or The Replacements? Which Are you seriously you asking me that question? Well, yes. I, I didn't want to <laughs> ask it to you because I think I'm, I know the answer. <laughs> I bet my house on it. Somebody said Iron Maiden last week, so it's not always a <laughs> foregone conclusion. I don't have a problem with Iron Maiden. They have some good songs. But it's obviously the answer here is the replacement. Right. That's why he didn't even <laughs> want to go near it. So he's like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to feel embarrassed. And look, Michael, you made him feel even more embarrassed. Look at him. He's so So, upset. Scott, Scott uh, did you grow up in Chicago? I grew up outside of Chicago in a town called Zion, Zion, Illinois. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that because I wrote about you once. I was wondering, did you happen to see in Total Reunion the, the infamous last uh, replacement show where they broke up on stage? I did yes, see that he, one. He yes, yes. I, I thought that it. you might. I thought that you might be at the right age to see that. What was it like? It was great. It was really funny. I really didn't know that they were breaking up at the time, but I remember them all switching instruments and playing Hootenanny. And yeah. I remember Tommy going, "Well, you'll never have to listen to this shit again." And I remember yeah. going, "Oh." What? How good is that Tommy reissue? It's no. great. Or Tim reissue. That Tim reissue. Tommy's a member of the replacement <laughs> Tim yeah. reissue. It is so good. Like when I first put it on, I, I, I literally like teared up and like my wife is like, are you okay? It's like, this sounds so amazing. It really sounds great. It like those last two songs. Little I Mascara remember, sounds so incredible. It's, it's Little Mascara sounds terrific. Yeah, it, it that so I've never been a huge fan of that song, but listen to that mix. I was like, oh wow, yeah. Well, what's the matter with me? Because mm -hmm. Tim was never my favorite record of theirs, you know. Yeah, and this uh, has really righted a lot of those wrongs. 
Mm-hmm. Gabe, what do you think of Tim? Have you listened to it yet? No, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I might eventually. I got a long drive coming at the end of the year. Maybe I'll throw it on uh-huh. if somebody makes me a, a yeah. playlist, Ben. Sell out. <laughs> so in honor of your book and and this whole idea of, I tried to narrow it down, I think 2003? Yeah. Is, is, was, so we figure we do this thing here. We do a what's the best. What's the best? Of some, whatever, whatever the category is. So this is what's the best songs of 2003, right? Songs of 2003. What's the best what's songs the that might have been on our MySpace player in 2003? Okay. All right, who starts? Well, you're going to start. You're going to go first, and we'll go around. Uh, we'll each pick one. That means Gabe, who's... Oh, God. I'm I last. Was second, I was second last time. So Scott, so Gabe, and then me. Okay, so Michael... Or Gabe, Scott, and then you. Scott, Scott Michael, Gabe, Gabe Scott, you. No, right. Michael, so Scott, Gabe, me. Scott, okay. I think you're second. Michael, Gabe, Scott. No, no. I'm after Gabe. Okay. Sorry, Michael. This takes forever every every week. Okay. All What's right. the uh, best? So one at a time, and then it's draft style. So if somebody picks something you were going to pick next round, you have to pick something else. I think he's got else. it. Yeah, he's figured it out. Oh, okay. What's the best? I'm starting off with the one of the best songs of the aughts, one of the best songs by the best American rock band, uh, Staring at the Sun, TV on the radio. Good pick. I have Thank that you. on my list. That is yeah. one of my alternates. See, I'm a little tricky because uh, that song was on the EP, which came out in 2003, but the right. full length uh, did not come up to 2004, but still counts. So, uh, wait, the full length has all the songs from the EP? No, it has like one. It has, no, the EP has three songs, including a cover of Mr. Greaves by the Pixies right. and uh, the song The Wrong Way, which, uh, has a very bold opening line, which I certainly will not repeat. Um, okay, good. Yes, uh, and, and it has, it's not a sublime cover. No, you've no. heard you've, you've heard the yes. song the wrong way. And uh, staring at the sun, which is just still like a mind blowingly like, how did the human being even make this song? Like, how did the human being think to create, combine doo-wop gospel and shoegaze? The first time I heard it, it reminded me of a really cool Peter Gabriel song. Yeah, definitely, and like. I feel like this TV on the radio are weirdly underrated because I'm old enough to remember like in the 2006 to 2009 era when they were like considered like the coolest band on the entire planet. Like they won the Paz and shot for best album, I think twice. Right. And, uh, but I know something that I think they were like a little too, they had really beautiful songs. But I think they were a little denser people, which is why they didn't quite cross over. And like, look, I love the strokes. I love all those bands, but like of all the odds, New York City bands that took off. The Strokes were the best songwriters. Yeah, yeah, had the best front person, but TV on the radio were by far the most innovative. They were the most who pushed the genre of music. They were the most who pushed their genre forward. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the Strokes had their own hard times. I think if TV on the radio came out with a new record today or started playing a lot, it'd be a mm-hmm. different story, don't you? I hope they, I hope they come back because their last album was... Yeah, 2014. I know when they had the sadness of their bases passing away. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. I know. It really took the wind out of their sails. But hopefully, like 
I hope they keep going. I think that's what uh, I think that's what he would have wanted to do. Gabe, I'm second. Your turn. Yeah, you're second. Okay. First of all, Michael, you said staring at the sun from TV and the radio, and that's yeah. very crazy because I thought you were stealing my song. Stare mm-hmm. at the sun by Thrice oh. from the artist in the ambulance. <laughs> That is a really good one. That is a really good one. I thought you were going to steal my song. I was like, how do you steal my first song? I don't even know you. <laughs> but you did. I no, took, that's a really good one. I took thrice. You yeah. took thrice. Now, are all of your choices going to be thrice, Gabe? No. I, w- I would like to. One, two, thrice choices for thrice? <laughs> no. I think it's a great album. It's a great band. I followed them for a long time. I've seen them on that tour. I didn't come to get to see them when they came around for the reunion of the record. But a uh, great band. And uh, great song. Yeah, I agree. Now, are they in your book? Did you, did you interview them? Uh, at some point, like I was writing out time and space, but I would have I would have interviewed them. I think I, it's hard for me to remember now because that entire time period was so stressful and like jam-packed. I think I reached out and didn't hear back and had to keep going. Right. My turn. <laughs> All right. The song of the year. I mean, I this is this is around the time when I used to DJ a lot, and and man, I would play this song all the goddamn time. We talked about her before on the show, "Crazy in Love," Beyonce. Come on. Yep. the best yep that's incredible <laughs> incredible no notes <laughs> no, no notes <laughs> yeah it, it's great no no Gabe you don't you don't take I thought you were gonna steal my song and you didn't so it's good wait there's a cra- crazy no you'll never guess it and you can't get it in my second round because I'm gonna get there before you okay all right <laughs> get there. I thought you were gonna steal my first round pick when you said song of the year, because first of all, when I started looking in 2003, I was like, oh my God, I I mean, I had 16 songs written before I'd even tried to 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 look through what albums came out that year. And I was like, I got to just stop because it's giving me a headache. Uh, it was but, a good time. It was a good time. This one is the only one I was afraid somebody might grab out of my list. So I'm going to take it first. Uh, this This was the song of the year for me. And I think if they weren't, if it wasn't Beyonce, it was this. It was uh, Outcast. Hey ya. One, two, three. Uh. My baby don't mess around because she loves me so, and this I know for sure. Uh. But does she really want to? But can't stand to see me walk out the door. Whoa. How did I know you were going to take that? There's no flutes on that. For what it's worth, I like the flute album. I think it's a, it, I think it's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, a music lesson. Mm-hmm. All right. So is it my turn? Sure. No, I want to talk more about the flutes. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I'm not really qualified to uh, dissect avant-garde, new age <laughs> music, but I think it's a really nice album. Very lush. Yeah. It'd be a great m- album to get a massage to, I think. 100%. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to 
Go ahead. What, Scott Lucas? Uh, what are you I still can't do massages. I, so, I mean, I don't need music for it. Okay. You can't do You look massage? forward to what? You can't get no, I look, I, Strangers I, touching me? No. I look forward to Andre 3000 becoming a prolific scorer of films. I look forward to Big Boy's Zither record. That's what I look forward to. <laughs> what about when you what about when you crowd surf at the end of local eight shows and they take, <laughs> the crowd takes you all the way to the back of the room? Aren't people strangers touching you at that point? Isn't that a massage? My, my shirt is on. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, uh, for my second piece, for my second song, I will go, because I have to honor my book. I have to honor the genre of emo. I want to honor one of my favorite bands, my good friend Jeff Rickley, with uh, Thursday War All the Time. Just a heartbreakingly well-written, beautiful song about like the loss of childhood innocence, like dealing with the death of your friends, dealing with like social alienation, and like the idea that you'll always kind of be a loser stuck in a small town. And like Jeff is one of those people; he will admit he's not like a conventionally good singer, but him straining to hit like these beautiful, these high notes, it's like a really like really moving thing to hear and his lyrics are just like so great uh, again he has a novel out this year called someone who isn't me and he it's it's not good for a musician it's just a great novel the guy can like write his ass off i'd recommend it very highly nice gabe were you gonna pick a thursday song no i'm counting the plugs i think we're at six or seven there for michael <laughs> but i'm, I'm a right. professional yeah. <laughs> you got to in this day and age my friend <laughs> Yeah, gotta sell yourself. Yeah. Or and your friends. Yeah. Is there a record called Sell Your Friends? There is, right? Probably. Should be. Yeah. All right, number two. This is Oh, it's Gabe's turn. It's, it is my turn. And I, I don't know if I'm gonna steal anybody's thunder here, but two thousand three is about the year I stopped buying new music. There's only a few bands I kept buying new music from. See, that it's was right wrong. Was no, that's that probably wrong. wrong. Yes, yes, that, you're right. Listen. The last time I was this into music was the 2000s. That was one of my favorite decades for music. There's some good like, stuff. Everything was great. But this is a pop song that was on the radio by Khalees called oh, Milkshake. Oh, Milkshake. Milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like, it's better than yours. Damn right, it's better than yours. I could teach you, but I have to charge my milkshake brings all the boys. Damn you. <laughs> this is a hook. Oh, I don't know what it's great. Songwriters Pharrell Williams and Chad yeah. Hugo. He had the touch. Neptunes. I didn't know that. The Neptunes were great. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say the name? Kelis? Kelis. Kelis? I would say Kelis. I always thought it was Kelis. Who knows? Michael knows. Kelis. Kelis. Huh? Kelis? I had it right the first time. Yeah, he was right. Oh, look at that. Well, Neptunes did songs. that Clips record that is amazing. Yeah. Neptunes were on everything. Yeah, but that's 2002. Clips is? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, sorry. It's true. Game's big list. Mine was 2003. Mm-hmm. Milkshake is 2003. Oh, yes. 
Right. Okay. All right. Uh, two. This is a tough one. I don't think anybody's going to take any of these. So I, I'm going to go with. I love this record. I, it was the, uh, like I said, I loved so m- many records in the, the aughts, the 2000s. It was a great decade for music, but this one I really loved because it was so stupid and genius. It was like Electric by The Cult. Every song was great and stupid and awesome. Gay Bar from Electric Six. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's on my list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Right to take it. The, the I mean, song's great. It's still funny. Mm-hmm. Everything on that record is funny. I, I could pick any song on that record, and I'd be, I'd be cool with it. Yeah. Star Nuclear War at the Gay Bar. You were going to take this? or it was just I know it was on my things? list of 16. It wasn't one of my four highlighted that I'm weighing between. But it was in there. Uh, What's your number two highlighted then? Well, number two. So I don't know whether I should follow up with you and say my album that every is really stupid, but every song is great. I love it. That's my high. I was gonna, I was gonna jump on the sellout bandwagon. Well, you just let us know when you figure out. All right, I'm just I'm I'm meditating right now. I'm listening to some flute music. I'm getting a massage. It's all coming to me. Okay, I'll I will stick with my original thing. Uh, the uh, the darkness, their first album, Permission to Land, was it's pretty stupid, pretty stupid, pretty great. I think my favorite song on that album is Given Up. Which is like a perfect, insanely catchy sort of. Bay City Rollers sort of pop rock thing about heroin. You're gonna go dark cut on on, on a darkness record. I mean, you're gonna go deep cut on a darkness record. Deep cut darkness, given up. Come on, man. Just tell, say thing called love and let's move on. That would that's maybe my fourth favorite song on the album. Why would I do that? Fourth favorite song. What number is Friday night? That might be two or three. That's one. That's definitely number one. That's a great one. Get your hands off my woman. Oh, and funny. one and one of the two or three power ballads would have to be on my list too. I was going to pick the darkness just to screw you, because I knew you were gonna go with the darkness. <laughs> Michael, he's such a huge Justin Hawkins fan. Okay. Uh, but I didn't do it because I'm a nice Thank guy. You. I appreciate you. Thank you. I don't say it appreciate. enough. Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't. Which brings us back. Round three, you, Michael. Round three. All right. Okay. So art is subjective. You can you have a lot of your opinions of all things are like your tastes, your age, the first person you ever had a crush on, the first album you ever heard, whatever's in the zeitgeist, whatever critics tell you, what you're reacting against critics telling you. Art is subjective, but there's some artistic statements. There, there's some statements about art. I like where that this is going. Are objectively true. Like I you agree. cannot argue against this. You right. cannot argue the best band of all time is the Beatles. You, but, and you cannot argue, don't try to argue with me because you will lose this argument. The saddest song ever written is Names by Cat Power from her album, You Are Free.
is just it is the model of economic writing just a few short lines about various friends of her she grew up with who met tragic ends in their small southern upbringing and the last stanza will make me cry if i listen to it yeah. uh perfect album you are free perfect song it's a great record yeah great record i've got that in in the car in our car it's it's right there in the side the cd nice. just in case you ever need it it's right there nice it's right just in case you need it yeah it's a good record yeah have you heard her new one the Bob yeah it's really good it's really good i can't wait to hear it yeah gabe all right this last one's tough because can i take a song that came out in 2002 that i would have kept on my playlist on nope. 2003 in nope. myspace <laughs> Do I have no. to pick a song that came out in 2003? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you do. You can tell us what the 2002 song was going to be, but you have to pick a 2003 song. What? All right. I wasn't listening to a lot of new music in 2003. No, so I, I know. I know. This is very hard for you, Dave, and I appreciate <laughs> it. But if I could pick 2002, it would be Can You Hear It from Rocket from the Crypt off of Live from Camp X-Ray. But that new, came out yeah, a year of before. Yes. But, I mean, 2003 was a gap year for a lot of our favorite bands. I guess you're right. Yep. But I'm going to go close to home with this one. A record that came out in 2003, and it was on my list, I'm sure. Scott's going to laugh, but I'm going to say Cooler Heads. You can't. No. Yes, I can. No, go back to Rock from the Crypt. You can't. No, I'm putting it on the list. If it was that on you... my list, it's in there. Okay. That, ju that just shows how little music you were listening to in <laughs> 2003. That's, that's what that is. Let the <laughs> listeners read feedback on this one and get some feedback because they're going to agree with me that uh, that was on their list on their MySpace Top 8. If it's yeah. not... Well, I'll five bucks. They're, they're, it, was a, it wasn't music was a Top 8. Yes, you can pick songs and people, couldn't you? Yeah, you, no, you can pick bands, not songs. Mm. Okay. All right, well, let's move on from that. Forget yeah. that happened. Uh, this record was a record that we had, like, it took, it feels like it took forever to come out, and we had, like, a copy of it that was a bootleg that the band had given us. And the band is The Wrens, the record is Meadowlands, and the song is Hopeless. Hopeless is, is just Wonderful. a killer. Awesome. That record, I listened to that record nonstop for a good year or two. I mean, that it's just, and it gets deeper yeah. and deeper the more you listen to it. If you like the Reds, I'd recommend checking out Empty Country. I've mm -hmm. profiled them for, or talked to the Joe for, he got Steno for Stereo Gum and uh, their album Empty Country 1, Empty Country 2. He's a huge Reds fan. He knows Charles. So I think he, you, if you like music in that vein, you get a lot of it. Yeah, I think Charles is just about to put something out, or it just came out. Awesome. So, yeah, they're still doing stuff. Cool. Not as the Wrens, but still doing stuff. Yeah, cool. Ben, take us, take us, take home. us home. All right, should I read all my songs I'm not picking, since I'm not no. stealing them from anybody? Okay. <laughs> then I will go. I'll go. I'll cut straight to it. This band, um, yeah, I didn't love their big hit. 
which was from a couple years earlier, but then this album came out and somebody forced it on me. And once I put it on, I could not stop listening to it. So I'm just going to pick the first song off it, which is the one that sucked me right in. And I never stopped listening to it. I still listen to it all the time. The Cardigans. Oh, okay. Their Long Gone Before Daylight album. Oh, that came out in 2003? Fuck you, Gabe Rodriguez. Communication by The Cardigans. For 27 years I've been trying to believe and confide in different people I found. Thank you. Hey, I didn't even see them. The Cardigans. I didn't know that that came out in 2003. Well, Man, you, do a little you stole my song and I didn't even know it. <laughs> that song is so, oh my God. That record, that record might be the best record of the year in my opinion. Oh, wow. really? Oh, I need, I, I, it. I need to revisit it. These guys are, I didn't like these guys are cuckoo for the cardigans. <laughs> what are you saying, Scott? You didn't like it? Is that what you said? No, I never said I didn't like oh. the cardigans. I said you guys are cuckoo for the cardigans. Yeah, I thought you before I'm, that. I'm proud of it. Oh. Yeah. Well, Michael, thanks for doing this. I hope it wasn't right. too... Not at all. Always pleasure talking with you, Scott. Too uh, painful. Top eight. How MySpace changed music. I recommend going to your... What is that page? you got your own page? Yeah. Uh, MichaelTedder.com. I have my portfolio page. Yeah. I recommend going there and checking out his back articles. They're all really great. And I, oh, thank you. And I'm almost past the belly section in the Boston music article. Cool. I could well, see Juliana down there at the bottom. I think you'll enjoy the Julian half the part. She's very interesting to talk to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she is. And before you go, what's the best, what's the best? eight song record ever made? Oh, uh, I want to say Japan Droids, Celebration Rock, but that's probably pretty silly. Oh, wait, no, it's obviously um, Paranoid Black Sabbath. Wow. Okay. That's, it's ob- that's obviously true. Followed by Marky Moon. Oh, wow. Mar- I f- forgot about Marky. Oh, or Horses, Patty Smith, sorry. Not Led Zeppelin 4? Oh, I would have got, gotten to it, but I, I, keep, I should probably cut myself off. True. <laughs> You've had too much. Cut yourself off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gabe, yours uh, is Power Slave, of course. Power Slave. It's got to be five and three, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Power it's, Slave. It's, it's not grouping, but yeah, it is eight. <laughs> We're not even going to ask, Ben. We ask, we know. I Bruce Springsteen. Well, can we... Can we roll the credits? <laughs> Is Born to Run eight songs? You're making yourself seem like an idiot. <laughs> By Iggy Pop, also eight, eight oh, songs. Oh, yeah. Correct, yes. All right. Okay. Scott, That's always great. a pleasure, man. Thanks, Michael, anyway. It's great That's to see you. Uh, I enjoy your, your Twitter feed. Oh, thank you and, so much, man. And uh, I'm glad you like The Leftovers as well. Yes. Uh, wait, the TV show? Was it The Leftovers? Holdovers. Well, Holdovers. Holdovers, yeah. Great great yeah. film. Go see the holdovers, people.
can't believe Ben uh, you stole cardio. I didn't steal I, anything off of you. You guys don't give me enough time to research this stuff. <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> you give it to me at my lunch hour. Yeah. At work. What happens after work? Because it's later for you. It's like 10 o'clock at night by the time you sit down for this or nine o'clock. I had to go to the AT&T store. We got another phone or a new phone and took a while to get and transfer and all that stuff. Well, while yeah. you're sitting there waiting yeah, for something to transfer, you mm-hmm. borrow somebody else's 18 t you do some Googling. 